Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi, I'm Dr. Caroline Leaf and welcome to Cleaning Up the Mental Mess a podcast where each week I discuss practical, simple, and scientifically backed ways to help you take back control of your mental health, help others, and ultimately live your happiest life. In this episode, I am interviewing David Allen. David Allen is considered the leading authority in the fields of organizational and personal productivity. After decades of in-the-field research and practice of his productivity methods, David wrote the international bestseller, Getting Things Done. Published in over 28 languages, Time magazine heralded it as the defining self-help business book of its time. David Allen created Getting Things Done, GTD. GTD is the work-life management system that has helped countless individuals and organizations bring order to chaos. GTD enables greater performance, capacity, and innovation. It alleviates the feeling of overwhelm, instilling focus, clarity, and confidence. In today's episode, David shares some invaluable and very practical tips on how to be more productive and better manage your time through his five-step process, how better time management is key to optimal mental health and can significantly reduce burnout how to create a schedule that allows for productivity and creativity, and so much more. Just before we start, I want to thank everyone again who has left a review, subscribed to this podcast, and shared it on social media and with friends and family. Keep doing this. Not only does your feedback help me improve each episode, but I love seeing what you guys are learning and what key takeaways you have. It's really encouraging and exciting. And if you enjoyed today's podcast, please consider leaving a five-star review This information in this podcast is free. All I ask is that you share and subscribe. One more note before we begin. This interview was recorded remotely, so the audio quality may be a little scratchy in some areas. Now back to today's episode. David, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm one of your great fans. I've followed you for a long time and your work is outstanding. And thank you so much for what you do. And thank you so much for joining me in the studio today. Hey, thanks for the invitation, Caroline, and happy to be here. Yay. Wonderful. Fantastic. David, can you share a little bit more about you? You know, what motivates you to do what you do and keep you going and just how you got where you are today? Well, gee, that's a long story, but I'll try to shorten it as best I can. You know, I got attracted early on in my own personal development, my own self-explorations back in the 1970s and, and 80s of how to simplify my life, how to keep it clear how to stay focused. You know, I love clarity. I love freedom. I love the idea of not being distracted by things, not being, you know, not being inefficient, essentially, in terms of how we think about stuff. And so I developed and uncovered techniques for myself that worked as I started my own consulting practice after many professions and many different things I was doing, discovered that the things I discovered for myself that worked to help me keep clear and on top of my game worked essentially exactly the same way for all the my clients. So I began to develop this process of 
you know, how do you stay clear? How do you stay on top of your game? And an algorithm or a formula, essentially, cognitively, of how do you think about your stuff? What decisions do you need to make? How do you need to park them in some appropriate, you know, trusted external system? And that became the, the core of a whole lot of what I was working with people about and, and, and sort of what developed my own sort of boutique consulting practice. And then somebody in the big corporate world saw what I was doing and say, gee, David, that sound, that looks great. We need that in our whole culture. Can you design a training that sort of would transmit, you know, what you've come up with? And so I did and very successful and created a pilot program for a thousand executives and managers in a big corporation in California in 1983, 84, and then thrust me into the corporate training world. So I wound up being in the corporate training world and taking the, the model and the models that I'd come up with and, you know, successfully, you know, transmitting them through the, mostly through the training and development groups, you know, in corporations and trained hundreds of thousands of people. And then my Consulting actually turned more, much more into executive coaching, where I started to coach one-on-one senior people in these corporations or these organizations that wanted to have me handhold them and walk them through the process and, and have them personally implement it. So I spent a lot of time doing that as well, many thousands of hours. So after about 25 or 30 years, I said, hmm, you know, I, it took me that long to sort of figure out what I figured out, that it was unique. Nobody else had done it. So I wrote the book. So Getting Things Done was published in 2001, which is basically a accumulation of and a compilation of all the stuff I had learned of best practices for the last 30 years. And then that sort of threw me into a huge new trajectory out there. The book was translated into 30 languages spread around the world. So now, you know, I'm kind of in the, in the mode of helping support a whole lot of licensees and franchisees around the world that we have franchised and licensed to deliver the training around this methodology. Oh, that's incredible. What a story. That's a, such a, an interesting path as well that I like what you were saying about how you spent the years learning as you were training people, you were learning and then all that compiled into your, you know, that whole compilation of your knowledge into the book 25 years or whatever later, which is, you know, so it was so experiential, so filled with practical knowledge, not just a theory, it was an actual you were in the trenches doing it and then translated that into something that's practical for everyone. That's very, very impressive. You're known as one of the leading authorities on productivity and getting things done. What do you think are the greatest barriers and obstacles people face when it comes to getting things done and being productive? Their addiction to ambient anxiety, they're willing to tolerate it. They're willing to tolerate the stress from unseen, unknown, unremembered commitments they've made to themselves and to other people. And they haven't kept track of them. They haven't clarified them. They haven't kept, you know, managed that inventory in an appropriate way so they could renegotiate it with themselves. So most people are walking around just, it's kind of like the last thing a fish notices is water. The last thing most people notice is the ambient anxiety they're living in until they get rid of it. So I discovered how you get rid of it. But that's the biggest barrier is that most people are willing to tolerate. You know, they're willing to say, hey, Caroline, yeah, I'll get back to you about that and not write it down. Ah, that is so insightful. That's brilliant. Just take it a little deeper. I love that. People walking around in ambient anxiety, not realizing that they've committed to do something and then they've forgotten about it and they don't get it done. Well, anybody listening to this right now, if you sat down with a pen and paper and just made a list of every single thing that's on your mind, what are all the would, could, should, need to, ought to, or might want to, oh, I ought to, oh, God, I need to, and, uh, you know, whatever, and... Yeah, most people have some sort of a version of a to-do list, 
But most to-do lists are very incomplete lists of still very unclear stuff. But I'm talking about a total inventory of all of that. And once you actually do that, once you actually capture all the things that have your attention, clarify exactly what you need to do about them, the next actions, and any projects embedded in them that you need to keep track of until they're finished, and then have some sort of organization system where you keep track of the errands you need to run, stuff you need to talk to your life partner about, the things you need to do at your computer. And that that's the organized piece. So you need to capture, clarify, organize. And then you need to make sure that to back and look at the inventory of your stuff. When you go out for errands, you should look at the six things you've determined you need to do when you're out and about. You know, in a way, Carol, I'm sorry, this is a big duh. It's brilliant because I just read your blog, Mindsweep, and you basically said that exactly, you know, you said that in when well, you did a podcast on it as well. You talk about the mindsweep of writing down that all those could have, should have, would have, if only all those kind of things. And and I love what you say about being so specific and actually putting a plan of action to them as opposed to just letting them be a to-do list. You're making it a much more driven, if I'm understanding you correctly, a much more organized, driven solution finding list. Well, if you want to get things done, there's two things you need to answer. What does done mean? You get to mark it off as when what's true. And what does doing look like? If you were going to move on that right now, where do you go to the hardware store? Do you go to your computer? Do you go to the website? Do you go to your life park? What's the next thing you need to do to move the needle toward getting the final outcome that you're committed to. And outcome and action are the essentially the zeros and ones of productivity. I mean, what are you trying to do? And how do you need to allocate your resources, your attention, your focus, your activities to make it happen or reallocate them? So again, it's another kind of a big duh. But strangely, Carolyn, over all these years, I've spent thousands of hours with some of the best and brightest and busy people on the planet walking through this process, but they had not done that thinking. They hadn't figured out, well, wait a minute, what does done mean about, you know, should I hire a VP of finance or not? Or should I, you know, fix this tooth that I, that's bothering me? You know, <laughs> they, haven't, they, haven't, they haven't gone through that exercise about the things that actually have their attention. And what's amazing is once they do, once I coach them through that process, the transformation that happens in their psyche, their energy, their focus is incredible. Well, it's just, uh, it's, it's brilliant. It's all I can say. It's brilliant because what you're doing is you're actually teaching people to go back to the calling stage versus people thinking, okay, I'll just run, but they haven't even learned the calling part. It's brilliant because you're, and I love how you say that this is what you've got to do, but how are you going to get it done? So people are great at the, well, I've got to do all these things and get anxious, but they don't complete the cycle with it done. I think that's brilliant. And it's so, it's actually say, as you say, it's so simple. It's that uh, moment, but it's so critical. It requires thinking and decision-making, and I'm sorry, that's tough. Uh, I agree with you. Listen, I'm in the world of teaching people how to think, and I often turn around to my team and say, why don't I just teach people how to eat? It's way easier than teaching people how to think and manage their minds. It's just like a challenge, deluxe. So, yeah, I get what you're saying. Yeah. So, you know, teaching people to sort of train the cognitive muscle, that's a lot of what I do. I mean, a lot of what the benefit or the end result of implementing what I've come up with over these years is an installed thought process. You know, so, you know, my mission in life is to create a world where there are no problems, only projects. Mm, that's incredible. Your mission is to create a world where there's no problems, only projects. I love that. Talk more about that. Anything anybody considers a problem. Should I get divorced? Oh, what about this thing the doctor just told me about my tooth or my blood pressure? What about, you know, should we hire an XYZ? This company just said they want to buy us. Should we do that or not? You know, all those kind of things 
are things that we need to sit down and say, okay, what's the end result of this? I want to get clarity about, I want to get closure on, I want to get finality about whatever. So defining the outcome, here's the desired outcome. And then what's the next thing I need to do? If I was going to try to get closure, well, I don't know what to do. Well, how would you find out? (sighs) I guess I could surf the web or I could talk to Bill. Oh, talk to Bill. How would you talk to Bill? Send an email, give him a call. What? So getting very specific about both the outcome and the action is the essence of productivity. But most people avoid and resist that thinking process like the plague. Why do you think that is? I still don't know. Okay. Well, maybe I can, from my side, from a, being in the mind-brain research field and dealing with people with mind, I think there's this fear of uncertainty. And I've seen a change in 30 years where people have gone from being a little bit more keen to think things through to a point now where they want quick fix. I wonder if you've observed that change over the years. So I found people 30 years ago, it was easier for me to teach people to really dive in and dig through their issues and find solutions and move forward versus now where people just want a super quick fix. It's almost harder to people to think now than it used to be. Maybe that's changed. Have you seen that sort of change? Yeah, but Carol, come on. Quick fix is fine. What's the next step? If you had nothing to do with that, what would you do right now? Most people just avoid thinking. They avoid thinking and making a decision about an action to take. And to your point, most people don't like to feel incompetent and they like to feel in control and whatever. And unfortunately, you know, most people are afraid of being out of control, and that's why they procrastinate. That's why they don't make those decisions. They're afraid that may not be the right decision. So the the fear of being imperfect is probably the biggest barrier that most people have. And they're willing to tolerate hanging out in that. You, you asked me to initially, well, like, well, what's the biggest barrier? The biggest barrier is people willing to tolerate that. They're willing to tolerate sitting there. What, I don't know what to do about my taxes. I don't know what to do about hiring this person. I don't know what to do about divorce or not. Right? And so making that decision call, okay, how would you move forward right now to find out what's the very next thing you might need to do? And it basically gets people out of victim mode into the driver's seat of their life. And that's, as you may know, I mean, I, you know, I grew up in the 60s, 70s, and 80s in the personal growth movement in California, a whole lot of that. You know, that that awareness was about, excuse me, you're in control of your life. You know, are you the victim Mm. of it? Are you going to manage, you know, taking control of what you need to do about it? You may not be able to change the situation, but you can certainly find out whether or not you can or not. Mm, and do you find people are quite, un- well, you've said it, basically, people are unwilling to live for those few moments in the uncertainty of what should I do about the divorce? What should I do about the taxes? And then the next step, which is, okay, let me start taking some action. It's almost like the people get stuck in the uncertainty and that keeps them stuck there and they don't move forward. You've got to kind of let them get comfortable with the uncertainty so that they can do that next step. Okay, let's phone Bill. Let's phone a tax lawyer. Let's do whatever. Sure. And there's no less uncertainty than what they're living in right now. So (laughs) this is not adding more uncertainty. It's just changing the nature of it so they actually can then get some conclusion about it and resolution of it. Okay, that's very important what you just said. It doesn't necessarily end the uncertainty. It just changes the uncertainty so you get some sort of resolution. That is brilliant. Oh, come on. You didn't wake up this morning, Caroline, and say gravity sucks. Oh, my God, it's killing people. <laughs> Airlines are, you know, are flying, you know, tra- plane crashes. It's causing body parts to sag. Oh, my God, gravity is really an awful <laughs> thing. And nobody complains about it. Why? You don't assume it could be any better. So what do you do with the gravity? Mm. Accept it, ignore it, or play with it. That's what we do with gravity, right? Even mm. though it may 
produce all those things. So mm-hmm. the only time anybody complains or feels victim of something is because they assume something ought to or should be better than it is. They're just not engaged in making it so or finding out if they can make it so, period. Wow. So they, they sit there in this no man's land. Right. And they're not prepared to even take the step of trying to find out if it, even if it's wrong, it's still doing something. Sure. And that creates this ambient anxiety. And if that were just one thing, that'd be one thing, but it's, it's, it's 50 or 100 things for most people. Yeah. And that then will definitely affect one's mental health and not seeing mental health as, as a disease because that's the wrong approach, but seeing mental health as being affecting your day to day living in terms of having, as you say, this ambient anxiety. Because it's one of the questions I wanted to ask you is linking productivity and mental health. And you've already dived into that because. This ambient anxiety is going to affect how you manage your mental health. Sure. There's an inverse relationship between on your mind and getting done. Mm, Speak about that. Well, anything on anybody's mind that's listening to this, unless you like having it on your mind, is simply because you're not appropriately engaged with it. If you think, gee, I need cat food. If I need cat food pops into your head twice, you're inappropriately engaged with your cat. (laughs) No, really. So this yeah, is, you know, getting things done is not so much about working harder, not at all. It's about being appropriately engaged with your commitments. Are you appropriately engaged with your health? Are you appropriately engaged with this interview? Are you appropriately engaged with your life? Are you appropriately engaged with your, you know, come on, whatever. And, you know, it doesn't mean you need to finish it. It just means you need to be in the driver's seat about whatever it is that has your attention about it. Well, you've just said you just dropped such a pearl of wisdom. That question and what you've just said now is such a pearl of wisdom when it comes to mental health. So are you appropriately engaged with whatever it is that you're thinking about? That sure. is excellent. Please talk about that a little bit more. You've given some examples, but just go a little bit deeper because that is so critical. Well, appropriately engaged with your cat. Gee, I need cat food. Okay. How about go write it on the post-it on your fridge door so whoever goes to the store next that could buy cat food picks that up. It's off your mind. It's going to get done. But if it's still on your mind, it ain't happening, right? Should I get divorced or not? Should I get divorced or not? Should I get divorced or not? Okay, well, what do you need to figure out about that? I need to find out if X, Y, Z. Great. How would you do that? I need to talk to a friend. I need to talk to my life partner. I need to sit down and draft ideas myself about what, you know, good and bad and indifferent about any of this. Whatever it is. Say, okay, well, great. Now you're appropriately engaged. It doesn't mean you've solved it. It doesn't mean it's easy. It just means you're now in the driver's seat about whatever that thing is that has your attention. But if it keeps popping in your head, you can fool me, but you can't fool yourself. Mm, and you can't fool your body either. So that anxiety will just grow and become all kinds of other things. And then your body suffers physically and it becomes this whole feedback loop and people get stuck. So your mental health and productivity are totally connected. Totally. Absolutely. Ultimately, the most productive people you would ever meet are the people with the emptiest heads. Mm, Okay. So talk more about that. I love that. Well, something pops into their world. They say, what is this? What's the next action? What do I need to do? They park that. They either finish it. They handle it right then. They park it in some appropriate system or some appropriate person. They walk free. Teflon. Boom. Right. And stuff gets done. Right. So the people with the emptiest heads are the people who are making the appropriate decisions about what things mean that pop into their psyche, then managing those, the results of those decisions into some trusted system or people. And then they walk free. And so then stuff gets done. But again, if it's still pounding on somebody's head, 
it's not happening. It's it's stuck. You know, they're the bottleneck. And so just uh, you don't you don't have to go very far, Caroline, for anybody listening listening to this to say, how do we apply what we've just been talking about? What's on your mind? You know, we've been talking for a few minutes here. Most people listening to this have probably had their mind trail off into something has nothing to do with what we've been talking about. Right. So just go, what was that? Why did it grab your attention? What are you not appropriately engaged with about that? And then all you have to do is make some simple decisions and, you know, park some things in some appropriate system. What's the next action? How do you need to build some reminder in some system that will remind you you need to run that errand? You need to talk to your life partner about that or you need to, you know, draft a document on your computer about that. Well, it's so simple because what you basically just described is how to avoid procrastination. Sure. Well, procrastination just means, you know, don't do something today that you could do tomorrow. That was just fine. You know, there's a whole lot of stuff I'm not doing. You you and I are not doing a lot of things right now. Believe me. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we're because we're doing this. <laughs> we're talking to each other. Right? Yeah. But the trick is, is ideally you and I both have looked at everything else we could or should be doing and say, no, this is it. This is what we need to be doing right now. So maintaining an inventory of options, maintaining an inventory of clear actions and things you might need or could, should, would ought to do, given all your commitments in life, is an absolutely critical ingredient to having a clear mind. So you can look at all that and go, no, I'm going to take a nap or I'm going to have a beer. Or I'm going to you know, talk to Caroline right now. So, you know, whatever it is, but you can't do that in your head. Cognitive science in the last 10 years has basically discovered that your mind can hold a maximum of four things in it in terms of managing relationships, remembering and reminding what they're about. Otherwise, you'll be driven by latest and loudest and diminish your cognitive process. So, you know, I discovered that 35 years ago. Your head's just a crappy office. And so keep stuff out of your head, write it down, figure out what you need to do about it, park some results, have some sort of a personal system that you're keeping track of the errands you need to run, things you need to talk about with somebody and things you need to do on your computer, things, you, you know, whatever. So, and what's kind of strange is I've made a whole career about the, this duh stuff. Digestion is a big problem for so many people I meet today. And without strong digestion, you'll battle to reach the level of mental health and performance you deserve. A balanced gut microbiome, something the right probiotic can help you achieve, helps turn the food you eat into nutrients your brain can use. While there are countless probiotics out there, there's one from a company called Bioptimizers that I have found to be especially impressive. It's called p 3 P3-OM helps with protein digestion, which then helps deliver more essential amino acids and other nutrients to your brain and help with neurotransmitters that boost your mood and mental health. You can get a free bottle of P3-OM shipped out today by going to www.p-3-o.m.com slash leaffree and use the coupon leaffreep3om. The link will be in the show notes. I'm listening to you and I'm getting so excited because for 35 years, I've been working on, you know, scientists develop theories and I'm actually in cognitive neuroscience. So you're speaking my language and speaking into my world. And I'm sitting here nodding and smiling as you're speaking and saying, yay, you really have got this. It's just unreal. And you express it so beautifully as well. And so simplistically, but you totally, I mean, this is totally how we function. Your conscious mind is very, very limited. It only operates at 2000 actions per second. So it can only handle those four things or five things maybe, but your non-conscious mind where you're actually parking this 
stuff. When you write it down, you're actually parking it in your non-conscious mind, which is we operates at 400 billion actions per second and never forgets and is in the quantum world. So you kind of got to work with both together and you teaching people in a very practical way. Yeah, and that unconscious part rings your bell at three o'clock in the morning while you're lying in bed and when you can't do anything about what it reminds you about. So it's a really stupid part of your brain. The unconscious, but then there's the non-conscious. I agree with the unconscious. The unconscious is that, that nether world, which just is disorganized, but you've got your non-conscious mind, which is very, very organized. And so if you, if we, if we tap into that, and that's kind of what you're doing, you're teaching people how to tap into the power of their mind by parking things on paper. You're bringing balance to the brain. The brain wants balance and the mind works through the brain. And everything you're saying is just, it brings balance to the brain. It brings coherence. It brings symmetry and the correct flow of energy. It's brilliant, absolutely brilliant. So that's why I can see, you know, just like the way you described ambient anxiety and the way you described how doing something. The example you gave of what is in your mind right now, the cat food thing or whatever people are listening to it, take that out, make a list, get it out of you, do something about it. That's very, very brilliant. So how can your work and research help people feel more creative and innovative? Well, you just need more room. I mean, how much time does it take to have a good idea? Zero, mm. zero. How much time does it take to be creative? Zero. How much time does it take to be innovative or strategic or loving and present with your kids? Zero. Those do not require time. They require space. If your brain is still wrapped around, you know, this morning's meeting that you haven't handled the problems that showed up there and you haven't dealt with what you need to do about it. You can't be present cooking spaghetti or tucking your kids into bed or watching them play soccer. I'm sorry. You need space, mm. not time. So the whole idea is how do I create room in my psyche? Well, the way you create room is discovering what's taking up that room. And so that's why you need to capture things that have your attention. And then you need to then clarify what am I going to do about it? Then you need to organize the results of that thinking. And then you need to review and reflect on the contents of your inventory. And then you engage with whatever you're doing at any point in time in a confident way, as opposed to, gee, I hope this is what I need to be doing. I'm not sure. So it's really about, you know, capture, clarify, organize, reflect, and engage, which is how you get your kitchen under control. It's how you get your psyche under control, how you get your company under control, it's how you get anything under control. But there's a very different techniques. It's not just prioritize or get organized. You know, there's a, there's a very specific set of an algorithm and set of behaviors that make that work. And that's what I've got your webpage open in front of me now. And you've got, and it's in your book, obviously, too. You're, you've got five steps that are brilliant because you're talking about this now. Basically, it's very specific steps you go through, with very specific focused activities that you're doing. Would you mind walking us through those? Sure. Everybody listening to this, get a pen and paper right now. <laughs> good. Get a pen and paper because this right. is good stuff. Right. And also, we'll have all your details in our show notes so people can go to your webpage, which is fantastic, and go get your book, which is fantastic. So, we'll have all that detail as well. So, sure. get your paper ready, people. Yeah, they just, is about to teach us something fantastic. <laughs> just go to gettingthingsdone.com, www.gettingthingsdone.com, and you'll see the five no. steps. You know, And come on, the first thing you do is notice what's got your attention, what's not on cruise control, and then write it down. I need to pay my taxes. I need to hire a vice president. I need to get cat food. I need to see whether the kids could take karate lessons or not. And, you know, yada, yada, get it all down. It may take you half an hour to an hour to even get the basic stuff. But that's a fabulous exercise to begin with, just to begin with. But don't end there. Then you need to go through, okay, karate lessons for kids. <sighs> What's my outcome I'm committed to? Well, I want to resolve, you know, whether kids should do it or not. Great. 
Now you got a project called Get Resolution on Karate Classes for Kids. What's the next step? Oh, you know, I should call Bob. I think he's got his kids in karate class. I think you should talk to him and see what he did. Great. Call Bob Ray Karate Classes. Okay, now you have an outcome, you know, research or resolve karate for kids, and you have a next action. Call Bob, see what he thinks. Park those reminders someplace you trust you'll see at the right time. In other words, when you have time in a phone, you see, oh, yeah, I should call Bob. And then once a week, at least, you see, oh, yeah, how am I doing with kids and karate? And then then you reflect and review on all of that stuff. It's just most people have 30 to 100 projects and over 120 next actions. So most people have a whole lot more inventory than they realize. But if they actually, you know, the, the, the exercise is not difficult, not hard, not hard to understand. You just need to complete it and get it current. Most people have a hard time doing that. So that's what you need to do. So anybody listening to this, have the ears to hear. You know, come on, guys. Exactly. So it's capture, clarify, organize, reflect, and engage. Outstanding. Yeah. I love it. I love the engage where you say simply do. You know, and you, you've got it so well laid out on your webpage. I love how you say capture, collect what has your attention, clarify, process what it means. Organize, put it where it belongs, reflect, view frequently, engage, simply do. Fantastic. I love that. Now, I want to ask you a very relevant question. I think that's related to this. How do we avoid overusing things like time management and productivity and overscheduling our lives with enjoying the moment? You know, so how do we get that balance, David, between doing these things? And I know if I do these five steps properly, it's going to come. But can you just speak into that? Because it's something that people, everyone's always too busy, too stressed, burnt out. You know, it's the standard language that everyone talks about. Got too much to do, can't cope. You know, I don't have time for whatever, you know. How do we get that balance to enjoy the spontaneous fun moments in life that are not built into a schedule? Well, you're only going to have fun when you can put all the rest to bed. So you need to know what all the rest <laughs> is. So you're going to go have fun to either avoid your life or as a spontaneous enjoyment of your life, right? So it could be either one, but I would suggest you get control of your life, determine all the things you could, would, should, might need to be doing tonight, and then say, no, I'm going to have a beer. I'm going to play with my kids. Or I'm going to do, be spontaneous and do whatever I do. No kidding. That's how I live my life. I love being spontaneous mm -hmm. and just following my intuitive hunches. And that's why I came up with all this as a way to keep the head clear so that I had the freedom to do that all the time, as opposed to some random spontaneous thing. I live kind of in spontaneity, but that's not free. I know what I'm not doing right now. You can only feel good about what you're not doing when you know what you're not doing. Oh, that is so good. Say that again. That is so good. You only feel good about what you're not doing when you know what you're not doing. Mm. That's so good. It's like, that's like in it's itself a whole key to being set free because I get so many people that at book tables and email me and on social media and say that I can't enjoy anything because I'm just so, my head's so full. And you know, it's exactly what you just said now. So they, it's just this, this organized chaos in their brain and what, and mind. Karen, come, come on. The way out is through. You know this given your profession. Mm, exactly. You can't, you can't ignore, avoid skirt around you got to step into this stuff what have you committed to what's on your mind what's got your attention why what do you need to do about it da -da 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 -da. you know mm, get into that clarify it and then be able to step back from the whole game and go hmm, no a nap is better right now or a glass of wine is better right now or you know play with a dog is better right now 
But the key, what you just said there is going through. You've got to step in and go through. And that's what people don't like doing. And that's what I have found in the work that I do in, in the years of giving therapy and stuff. It's the encouraging people to step in. People have become masters at suppressing and just exp- and then that you never really suppress. And you said that too, because it comes out some way and it'll come out in the constant negativity coming out of their mouth and then the pain in the body or the pain in their mind or the broken relationship or the just the general unhappiness that they have about life. Mm-hmm. Well, it's just how conscious they want to be. Yep. Encourage people to get into that step and go through. What do you say to people to help them with that? <laughs> I'm not a therapist, my dear. But you're a coach, but you're a coach no, and you're no, coaching people they, that are... Only if they invite me. So ah. I don't talk to people who don't want this. I got, there are other, many other people who want it. So don't bother me. You know, I'll get to a no as fast as I can. No, this is not mm. for you. you know, you're, you're not willing to be conscious about all that stuff. So let me go find somebody who is. Oh, that's so good. What you just said is so good. You can take a horse to the water. You know the old saying that you can't make them drink. So you know, I used to, when I, in therapy, I had a disclaimer that I'd make my patients sign. And I'd say that I will work with you if you do this, if you are prepared to step in and go through to just to quote you. And it was very powerful because there were some patients that I said, listen, you five sessions in, you're not doing anything. I can't help you. And so you take that. And it worked every time, David. Every time it would always shift. The the people from, okay, well, it's hard. I hate this. It's difficult. I've got to learn. I've got to whatever. But once they realized they had to choose to get in, they would go through. So it really came from inside of the person. And the interesting thing, I'm sure in your work as well as mine, once people step their toe into this just for a few minutes, it suddenly feels so much better and so much mm. more relieved and so much more relaxing and so much more clear. I mean, that's our marketing issue. It's like, how do you get people to be willing to step their toe into this so they see what's possible and how quick and easy it is for them to get much more sense of relaxation and clarity and much more energy, you know, if they uh, you know, get rid of the things that are exhausting them in the psyche. Mm, it's so true. Just a little bit of success can change. I did find that. I'd find like just one, if I'd work with someone who'd been battling to learn and they just got one positive results on a test or one change in a relationship, even if it was tiny, did definitely help people see. In this current crisis, it's vital we do everything we can to boost not just our mental health, but also physical health and immune system. That's why I love and recommend bone broth. Bone broth is packed with clean ingredients and nutrients like collagen, protein, and key amino acids that your body needs to thrive. Plus, a healthy gut will improve your mental health and can help reduce anxiety and depression. My favorite bone broth and the one I highly recommend is Kettle and Fire. Kettle and Fire bone broth is keto-friendly, paleo-friendly, and Whole30 approved. Trying to avoid the grocery store? Well, Kettle and Fire is shipped to your door in specially sealed cartons that lock in freshness for up to two years. Get 15% of your order today with code Dr. Leaf when you go to kettleandfire.com forward slash Dr. Leaf. The link and offer details will be in the show notes. Just listening to you, just listening to the things that you've been saying, I get a sense of, of peace and excitement and anticipation. So, you know, just listening to people like yourself is also very helpful for people that are stuck because you make something that seems impossible incredibly simple. It is simple. It is simple. That's what the, the weird paradox about this. Everybody knows how to write things down. Everybody knows how to make a next action. 
decision about something. Everybody knows how to make a list. Everybody knows how to look at a list and choose which errands they need to run and what they want to talk to people about. So everybody knows how to do all of this. So that's the kind of strange paradox about it is that it's actually very, very, very simple behaviors. I think people have to address what it is they have not been doing and feeling successful about. And so, you know, that's why a lot of what I've done is not try to coach people in terms of what they should be thinking about. The difference in my methodology is I start with where people are, not with where they should be. I just say, hey, what's got your attention right now? Cat food, hire the vice president, fix my tooth. You know, should I get divorced? I don't know. We just grab it all. I just start with where people are. And then because if you're feeling somewhat out of control in your day to day, trying to focus on where you should be in any bigger sense is just going to create frustration and guilt. So my methodology has been, you know, the wonderful thing about it is it gives people a sense of getting the day to day under control, the things that have their attention, the things that are bothering and distracting them, things that are taking their energy and then get that put to bed. And then they automatically, much like a helium balloon, just automatically, organically kind of lift up and see a larger horizon. Oh, wow, that reminds me. I should be thinking about X, Y, and Z. Oh, yeah. You know, what I was really thinking, I need to. But they're not going to do that, you know, fresh, free form. You're only going to do that once you, you know, get cat food <laughs> or get it on the get it on the post-it. You're only going to do that once you've figured out what you need to do about these things that have people's attention. So I've discovered the brilliant thing about, you know, what I uncovered is that get control of your day-to-day and it will allow you to start to rec- recognize and realize what control at much bigger levels of your game are going to be. Mm, that's so good. So the executives that you individually coached, where you said everyone knows how to do the lists, were they living in the future, not living in the present? What was it? They were living, they were just living in their head, Carolyn. Come on, their head's a crappy office. They were just trying to keep track of stuff. Okay, I need to do that, I need to do that, I need to do that, I need to do that. Oh, I should do that, I should, I should think about that. And as soon as you have more than four things, you're going to be driven by the latest and loudest. Just there's a cognitive science. Read Dan Levitin's work, The Organized Mind. Read Theo Copernoli's book, The Brain Chains. Read, you know, Baumeister and Tierney's book on willpower. Read Atul Gawande's book on checklists. Read any of these folks that have been writing this stuff out of the last 10 or 15 years. You know, the research about how your brain works and how it doesn't work. And you'll see, you know, it's all about, hey, your head's a crappy office. Very good. Oh, that's excellent. Okay, so what tips can you share for someone to say more focused? I know you've said this, but let's just give a few, few sort of summary tips of what we've been saying to kind of wrap this thing up so people have got some hardcore tips that they can hang on to. Because you said so much incredible wisdom. I'd just like to kind of summarize it in a few tips. Just have a ubiquitous capture tool, no matter what. Whether it's a, a three by five card or a notepad like I have in my pocket, I've had for 35 years. Your best ideas will not happen where those ideas are going to be implemented. So grab those ideas when, when and where you have them. And then take those ideas and throw them into your own in trade, your own in basket, and then decide actions and outcomes. What am I committed to finish about this or resolve or research about this? What's the next step I would need to take? And then organize those reminders in some sort of a personal system. List manager, basically, all you need. And then use it. You know, I can't be any simpler than that. And I can't that's be any less than that. Mm, that's really simple. If I had to ask you your favorite tools, programs, hacks to be more productive, it's carry that notepad around in your pocket. Yeah, because your best ideas about work are not going to happen at work. Your best ideas about your life are not going to happen where you're going to implement those. You know, they're going to happen in random moments. 
And so don't let the muse pass you by. So you need to grab those things when they sure. And, you know, I throw away 80% of those notes because like, you know, what a dumb idea, crazy. But the 20% that, that live have created my life. Mm, and having that 100% swirling around your head in that messy office like you explained is not a good idea. But by writing it down, let's see if I've learned my lesson from you. By writing it down, I can find the 20% and throw the 80% that are actually redundant and interfering with my ability to, to, to do the 20 Exactly. So I learned my lesson well. Mm-hmm. I paid attention well. This is fantastic. Any other tips, advice, suggestions? Oh, a big tip for everybody. Relax. Oh, I like that. Talk more. You need to listen to your more intuitive, intelligent consciousness that's only going to be accessible to you when you relax. That's why mindfulness, meditation, reflective time, exercise, all those, you know, good things we all know, you know, help your brain be able to sort of reconnect, reconfigure, you know, archive and recalibrate all the myriad stuff we all deal with. So give yourself some reflection time, some relaxation time, you know, and listen to the still small voice that's telling you what to do. Oh, I love that. I have a tip that I always give everyone called the thinker moment. And it's, it's, it's basically what you're saying is we need to take time. Our brain gets tired, but our mind never does. So you have to have those moments of resting and relaxing. And I, and I love that you, you talk about the meditation and bring those things in. Like yourself, over the last 30 years, you gather data, you get experience. I've done research trials and I developed an app called Switch, which has got, it's based on five steps that I've developed 30 years ago on how your mind builds thoughts and all that kind of stuff. And one of the first steps in that is to first, you can't do anything until you've actually relaxed your mind and then you can start focusing and getting your brain to work like it should. You know, so it's just, it's, uh, I love what you're saying because it just reinforces, you know, what we logically as humans, how our brain and mind function. Absolutely outstanding. I don't know if you heard, David, of the research that was done, very interesting study that was done, a combination of West Virginia University and Harvard, where they took people from the ages of 18 through 77, and they put them in a room, and they said, took all their cell phones and everything away, and they said, think, just think, 16 minutes, where you just sit and just relax, just relax your mind, become aware of what you're thinking about. And it was very interesting because... All those age groups, they hated it. It was, they, they hated doing it. They got bored. They got frustrated. This kind of research has been happening for years. And the particular study I'm quoting happened fairly recently, but they did a similar one a few years before that. And people love the exercise. So we've had a definite shift in our society from being comfortable with spending time relaxing, thinking, gathering your mind together to not being comfortable with it. Have you found that in your work? No, no, that's totally, not. that's totally new to me. So, okay. Yeah. Okay. Fascinating. It is fascinating. It's fascinating. Well, I think you're brilliant and I cannot recommend your work enough. It's so simple, but so real. And I love how you take something that, as you say, everyone knows how to make a list, but you turn it into something that is actually very doable, very actionable and kind of like that little missing link you show people. So thank you so much for that. So once again, just share where people can find out more about you, your courses, your book, your work. And we'll also put this in the show notes. Sure www.gettingthingsdone.com. We have partners all around the world delivering our trainings and our coaching based on this methodology that we've certified. So wherever you are in the world, you can find people doing you know much more in-depth training and education about what we've just been talking about. Fantastic. 
Thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure. I do hope you'll come back again on my show to teach us more. You have so much wisdom and it's been such a pleasure talking to you. My pleasure, Kelly. Thanks for the invitation. Thank you so much. I hope you found today's podcast interesting and helpful. If you want more tips and help with managing anxiety, depression, and mental health, be sure to visit my website at drleaf.com and to sign up for my weekly newsletter where I also include a schedule of my speaking events and so much more. And follow me on social media. I'm on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Just look for Dr. Caroline Leaf. Also, I love seeing all your posts on social media about this podcast. I love seeing what resonates with you and what you've learned. So be sure to continue posting and tagging me and letting me know what you think and how these tips worked out for you. And don't forget, leave a review and keep spreading the word about this podcast. Thank you for joining me today. I really hope you learned something new and helpful. Till then, I'm Dr. Caroline Leaf. This podcast represents the opinions of myself and my guests. The content here should not be taken as medical advice. The content here is for educational and informational purposes only. Please consult your healthcare professional for any individual medical questions you may have. While we make every effort to ensure that the information we are sharing is accurate, we welcome any comments, suggestions or corrections of errors.